Hey No Whip listeners, Lauren here. Get ready for the first No Whip friend feature. Kind of like the weekly coffee special, but way more fun. Our first friend feature is Shannon Gallia. A friend of Hillary, Shannon joins us to talk about her take on Eat, Pray, Love. She's an international softball player, musician, coach, writer, photographer, traveler, teacher, the list goes on. She's truly a woman with many talents. In this episode, we chat with her about her travels, adventures, and how it's all connected. Cheers! Cheers! Five? Six? Nine. We should fact check that. I think it might be five. Well, we had had one. Oh, yeah. We had one that was a burner. Yeah. We, like, (laughs) talked for, like, an hour and a half, and afterwards we were like, what? What are we talking about? Yeah. It was... was Today is a very special episode because we have our very first guest who has graciously joined us. Shannon. Hailing from... (laughs) Hailing from... Well, I don't know where I'm actually from. I know, you're kind of like, where are you living right now? I'm living currently in Montreal. Okay. Uh, but it's from the dirty schwa. <laughs> 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 Washington, Ontario. But I am a global citizen, as I'd like to put it. Ooh. You truly are. Yeah. Global citizen. So, speak for all the nations. Uh, Shannon and I, this is Hillary, by the way, uh, played softball together growing up in Ontario. <laughs> and just stayed in touch over the years. And she's always coming out to Vancouver. So she crashes with Honey Boo Boo while she's like, you know, <laughs> we snuggle together. <laughs> And because now your work is Olympic Committee stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I work on a wellness program called Game Plan, and it's branded with not only the Canadian Olympic Committee, but the Canadian Paralympic Committee. And we work with all national team athletes in Canada on promoting balance on and off the field of play. So it's a wellness program. So cool. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. We, it's what I did my research in. It's uh, focus on transition in sport. So I'm a big promoter of, you know, finding balance outside of sport. I found that I became a better athlete when I got to focus on other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hillary and I, like she said, we played on a softball team together growing up um, through, you know, we played against each other for maybe a few, maybe in our last years. Well, Shannon knew me when I was one big, one little. <laughs> 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 I was eating the, the big bags. <laughs> and then we went, as how I <laughs> She's always been a tank. <laughs> she said that after the workout today. She's a tank. <laughs> she's so got it. Um, Good times. But like when you've always gone off and done your crazy shit, I'm always like, what? Like you have so much, so much balls. That's why I thought it was cool to have you come on and talk about all the crazy shit you did. And then you're like, oh yeah, well in my book I'm writing about X Y Z, and I was like, what? <laughs> What are you reading? Okay. Yeah, just kind of sharing. So I was that athlete who didn't follow the pathway. I, you know, soon came to a point in my career where I just knew Team Canada wasn't it. And we were at the Olympics and, you know, a big group of us, Hillary included, just we got to this point in our careers where we're like, why are we playing? You know, like, where is this going? And, you know, now you look at the Olympics and it's not as much as the pinnacle as it used to be. I think, like, the priority of sport in our society has yeah. declined um i think health, health and wellness is there but it's not it comes in in waves so like if you see it in our youth it's definitely declined kids are on technology way too much and then adults are noticing that they didn't take the tools that they should have when they you know at the right age to incorporate that in their lifestyle and now they're mm-hmm. doing catch-up so it's like now kind of being a priority but not entirely if you look at older age groups and this is just like a generalization yeah. but yeah you're right about the kids in sports yeah, like yeah it's insane it like 
Kids. You know, softball growing up was huge. Was Soccer huge. was huge. Like, going home now, my dad he was running some of the softball organizations, and he's like, there's no teams on. Like, there's really? no kids that play. And I'm like, no. that was our life. You can't even make you a know? circuit or, like, a, a league because there's not enough teams playing, and then the access to, like, competition is, like, much lower. Yeah. So kids who say they play on, like, the Tier 1 teams or the A or the AA's, it's not really a true AA because they don't actually – place that level yeah. that we used to yeah. and kids are so one of my questions was like what was your tipping point to leaving like what was that thing that you were like okay was that feeling of like it's i'm not done here. here it's that it was it was part of the athlete party where yeah. you're always wanting that next thing and because i was going through a pretty shitty breakup by for a full year uh after finishing six years abroad competing mm-hmm. You know, my identity was totally wrapped around What's my love story. <laughs> we'll save it in a bit, but it was like, I I literally, so I focused on athletes in position. So again, in university, when I left that cohort to start the rowing team, I wasn't feeling connected to the university, whereas I was at MAC. At MAC, I was on the athletic, athletes council. I ran it. I ran activities. I, I showed athletes, like, how to connect themselves to community. Um, and not only just their sport, but like what you do have as a duty to to um, work in your communities and promote different um, initiatives. And so when I went to UIT for teachers college, I did rowing um, simply because I I was just going to school, and there was still like this five hour window of stuff that I had time for. And so um, I slowly like learned that I was happy again because I was doing sports. Yeah. Um, and then when I finished teacher's college, the coach at Durham college, cause I did my sport management degree because mm-hmm. teachers weren't getting jobs right away. Yeah. And so I wanted to learn a little bit more on the programming side of sport and mm-hmm. at teaching, taking my teaching skills and using it to, you know, work with, um, sport organizations. And so I got offered a full ride at this college mm-hmm. to play softball. And I thought, never given up. Here we go. Yeah. This is Durham college. Durham college. Shout out. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> So I did uh, play uh, softball there. And also at UIT, when I did rowing, they found out that I was a squash athlete. So I was, the first, <laughs> I was the first ever squash athlete ever to represent the university. They don't even go to squash anymore. No, <laughs> it's like one and done. Yeah, one and done. And I, I literally mirrored the initiatives I did at MAC yeah. and brought them to UIT. They gave me money, and I ran the women's football program. Whoa. And started a sport, and I, I I knew at that point I was like I'm a builder of sport. Like I yeah, wanna like I wanna promote like the importance of getting females involved in sport, and I literally pulled girls who, you know, didn't have an outlet mm-hmm. while they were in school, yeah. and created a team, and found guys who had played football, but you know were in university and also didn't have an outlet because there was no football yeah. team at that school. Yeah, and so they coached us. It's really hard in That's Canada, awesome. I think, yeah. um, especially with sports, because there's not a lot of emphasis on sports. It's more academic, mm-hmm. which is why, like, I played hockey, and I would, I didn't play for my high school because I was like, "That's why I actually played for the men's team oh, that's amazing. Um, for my high school um, oh. because I was like, the women's team was just terrible. too terrible yeah. to play, and so I like obviously played, played travel. Um, but then I went to the, yeah I went to the states because there's just no opportunity here in Canada so there's to play at a certain level yeah. and I think it has to start within the schools it has to start really young 
and money has to be put in because yeah. in the states mm-hmm. it's all about high school sports it is yeah and all they funnel it so well sure. and going yeah. back to that one point i forgot to mention like the colleagues that i worked with in the high school setting for phys ed are some of the most well-trained for and former athletes themselves mm-hmm. so they come from a very good sport background yeah. it's the elementary schools that are lacking these mm-hmm. specialists in the school mm-hmm. so you're getting you know the grade one teacher who is math and history and has to like teach the volleyball team and has nothing and has no idea about no volleyball. Idea about volleyball. And so these yeah. are these are who our kids are learning from. And it's like if you want successful programming, you've got to implement it right. And our our education system is well aware of it. Yeah. And this is like not a provincial issue. This is like nationwide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not just you get four. No, it's not just you. But what was your question again? I just I don't know. It was, <laughs> it was like, what sparked you? I think to make a change. Like, yeah, well, yeah, that from, like you have to have this like yeah. thing that you were like, I'm doing this. Yeah. I'm like, I'm making that leap over. I just next. know that with having a teaching degree, I'm I'm in a safety net. Like mm-hmm. there's so many different things you can do. No, I fall back on it. And I and I never wanted to regret <laughs> or to seem. I didn't want my teaching degree to reflect the whole. Oh, it's just backup, or it's yeah. just my yeah, backup yeah. career, yeah, which yeah. is what a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of great opportunities that you can use your teaching degree for. That you can work in higher education. You can work in different programming settings, yeah. and and for me, because I did my sport management, mm-hmm. I. They complement each other. Yeah. And, and I think in corporate, like, yeah, I would do yeah. really well. Oh, my God. Like, my my answer, when yeah. I didn't get hired for teaching, my landlord was scouting me. And she's like, come work for Deloitte um, oh, and be a facilitator. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, come on, job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Top dollar. So it's like such transferable skills. It's there, such right? transferable skills. Yeah. And I didn't ever look at it. I mean, I did and I didn't. And for me, what I love about teaching is you got your summers off, you're coaching kids, you're working with yeah. kids. Um, but what I got tired of was the bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And this is where my anger sort of, not anger, <laughs> I shouldn't say anger. It's okay to talk about your rage here. <laughs> I, came in, I came back from Australia and I knew to make my transition out mm-hmm. of sport and, you know, take my research. I put it to rest. I was happy with what I accomplished as an athlete. So I knew as an athlete, the transition successfully was to instantly infuse myself with other positive things mm-hmm. and other um, outlets and opportunities. So I put myself back into teaching. I was back home. I got a contract. So I was on the right track to being full time. Um, and where I was on the seniority list, I was put on that. I had enough contracts that I had mm-hmm. taken that I was on the right to hire. Mm-hmm. And so in the school and in that year, I ran an outdoor ed program. I in, created an outdoor classroom. I ran like so many initiatives. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I coached the track and field team and the badminton team because it was badminton. Badminton's the best season. That's where my badminton skills transferred to squash. I mean, badminton skills have transferred to life for me. Totally. Badminton is not like, this is not backyard badminton. My big question for you is like, where do you think you found your growth the most? Definitely. Oh, tons. Yeah. There's been a lot of different, like, strands in my time period away where I grew a lot from different situations so uh where did I take that opportunity so I was finishing my sport management degree and I had a standout season you know it was Canadian softball it wasn't like 
you know, in terms of the NCAA, the level wasn't there, but I was still playing mm-hmm. and I just knew I wasn't done. And I was like, this is scary. Like, when is this like, you know, done feeling going to happen? <laughs> and I remember when I was playing with Hillary, you know, I'd sit down with the older girls and I'd ask like, you know, like, why did you retire mm-hmm. when you could still play? And this was something I asked Summer. Yeah. Cause Summer was still a good athlete. And like, I think she knew I, after now, like hearing her answers, I can now reflect back and be like, Oh, I get like why she was done. Mm-hmm. But I just never understood, like, if you can still do it, you know, why would you give it up? And so when I got offered to play in Holland, I was like, okay, here we go. And I dropped my teaching career. I dropped everything at home. I had a boyfriend at the time, which I didn't decide. You dropped him too? I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't. He dropped me after six years. Oh, no. And and it was, you know, it was obviously not easy as the lifestyle I led, and it definitely wasn't fair in some ways but yeah. I used sport to infuse a relationship yeah. I actually got him into sport yeah. and he became a Paralympian amazing and represented Canada you know happy wow. for him you know despite you know, <laughs> the meaning of it uh, so I went overseas I didn't want to give up everything that I had at home I knew that you know even though I was taking on this opportunity I wasn't going to forget where I was from and like what was important to me and so I'm happy I had that stability at home and that mm-hmm. piece of, you know, consistency when I did come back. Because I know when people do come back from experiences like that, and this kind of touches in on the transition piece, you, you come home and it's like, you know, you're going to look for that void again. And so I came home and I was lucky to have stability and I had family and I had friends and I had my teammates. Um, and so I still used sport and like all these different outlets in my life to maintain that when I um so yeah I played in Holland and it was like a bit of my first take on East Pray Love literally <laughs> I fell in love with the city I fell in love with the people and so my goal when I left Canada was okay Team Canada is no longer in the cards the Olympics they ain't happening like yeah. what the fuck am I gonna yeah. do and part of me did this because I wanted there to be a reason for my sport to just not die. And it sounds crazy. Like now I look back and I've left my sport and I'm like, yeah, like, oh, man, I did my sport. You know, I'm okay with it. Like I'm done. Right. And it's weird to be in that spot. But at the time it was a big deal to me because I'm like, what's going to happen to, you know, how girls are going to ever play this game the same way I did and have that same love. It was Mm -hmm. scary to like, think like I invested all these years as a child mm-hmm. and my, you know, throughout my youth and no one's going to find that same passion or mm-hmm. that same love as to like what mm-hmm. makes them wake up and, you know, want to do what they do. Yeah. And so I used my travels when I came back from my first year in Holland, I was like, I'm not done. Like, I think I need to keep going with this. And I got offered to play New Zealand. And then what kept me going in Holland was not only like the friendships I made there, mm-hmm. Um, there was two Americans that I became really good friends with, and like it was like I found sisters abroad, and you know I started my own international community, and um, so I lived with these boss ladies, literally, yeah. just boss women of Australia. The mom, um, not only was she a surgeon, she was in the Australian uh, army mm-hmm. as a surgeon. Whoa! Served in Afghanistan, and wow. her um, she was divorced, but her husband, her former husband. Uh, lived in Laos as a emergency doctor. Wow. So just like powerhouse family. And these were the kids I was teaching <laughs> in that neighborhood. I was working at a private school. Um, my coaches uh, were te- a lot of the 
athletes I played mm-hmm. with were teachers. I had a, a community instantly yeah. when I, you know, you moved that. to a new home. And like, it's so cool to share that with people, but then you don't get to really share the excitement because how do you explain to people the life you live mm-hmm. and yeah. your ability to connect so easily? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I had like literally home right at home yeah. in the weirdest ways yeah. like home in all the places you went literally yeah. if I could have apartments everywhere I lived <laughs> well is that like something you probably took away now is like wherever you go you would immerse yourself but then also like create your own create my own community, community. and yeah. it's funny like now that I live in Montreal I'd say um, you know I think <laughs> you think I would be able to take all those skills I've had for the last seven years and do that in Montreal it's mm-hmm. taken me a little bit longer there yeah and it's funny our, our first podcast about friendship mm-hmm. remember we talked about how like you know, we all moved here. We're not from Vancouver. Yeah. Right. Coming here and it's like taking time, but once you've gotten that community of people together, it's it's a it's a game changer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, a game changer. Like, it's just so important no matter where you it's live. It's so important. It's how you connect yourself and you know, when I was living in Australia, it was like home is where you make it. Yeah. And and I, I firmly believe that statement. But I also learned, you know, after going home and being single too, you know, home is where the heart is. Like you learn like you know, how important those family values are as you get older. So I came home and uh, when I came back home to teach, I fully infused myself, like I told, you know, all the listeners here at the beginning. And then when I didn't grasp onto that teaching career, you know, I was fucking angry. I was like, this is what the principal said to me when she didn't hire me. I asked for feedback on my interview. And this principal, there's no discreditation to her position. She if anything, is a boss lady in her own ways and probably one of the most amazing principals I've ever worked for um, in terms of her progressiveness in education and what she stands for. But I was taken back when I asked for feedback. And, you know, you got to take feedback whether it's positive or negative. Yeah. But she didn't actually have any feedback for me. She's oh. like, your interview is phenomenal. And I said, okay, so where did I go wrong? And she's like, honestly, Shannon, and this is like literally off record mm-hmm. for her to say this. Yeah. She's like, it came down to gender. And I was like, what? Fucking throwing. Oh, oh, like, oh, oh, actually, I had to actually do that. <laughs> and I was like, you fucking kidding me. And like, honestly, the person that got hired was a good friend of mine and he did, he did deserve it. Yeah. Like he'd been on the, he had been on the supply list for many years and, you know, kind of goes through a cycle politically. Like he was the next one in line. But if she wanted to be smart about it, and if she, she really, probably should have said that, and, yeah. if, and if she really valued like my time in the school and the yeah. kids, like kids' parents wrote letters mm-hmm. to her stating, yeah. "Don't get rid of Miss G. My kid's never been so inspired yeah. to do track and field, to do sport, mm-hmm. like to practice on his own. Like yeah. that's what you can't teach kids. I yeah. can't. I I just created opportunity. Yeah. And I went into my interview like thrown, you know. A little piece of me, and she was right at the end. I, it took me a big step away from the whole like process of it. When I went into the interview, I'd been asked to photograph, uh, do photography at the Paralympic Games. Um, I did a whole lot of sport promotion. I did my degree in it. So when I went into my interview, you know, the one thing they asked is, what have you been doing to professionally develop yourself as a teacher? And so I went into all the different strands that I, you know, had gone into. And I was almost sort of over the head with the way I connected myself as a teacher yeah. and she just knew I wanted more yeah. yeah and a little bit of me had to respect it because respect her criticisms because she was right when that interview opened up it was kind of like me going 
settling for the rat race. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was like settling for a marriage because yeah. you're in when you're a teacher and you get right. full time, like you're in it for right. right. ten years, yeah. yeah. twenty five years. And a little piece of me just felt like I was throwing my into my hat yeah. in the race yeah. because it was like it was there. It was my next step. It was my clear next step. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here like, what am I doing wrong as a human being? Like, I'm a good person. I'm fucking talented. You just got to keep telling yourself, like, no, there's going to be a big break somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then the Canadian Olympic Committee posted this job for game plan. And I thought, okay, I've done a lot of applications to the committee. I'll throw one more in there. But all the other ones I applied for were never really ones that I really fit in. This one was like my bread and butter. This one was yeah. made for me. And I thought if there's one uh, one job that I could go for, this is it. And if I didn't get it, I was happy with being a teacher mm-hmm. and doing my thing. So uh, when the job got posted, it was it was kind of like a big break for me. Um, the scary part was I was moving again. Um, yeah. which was hard because a big part of my coming home was having, you know, having a home. Mm-hmm. And I actually had my stuff out of the storage unit. Mm-hmm. I had things yeah. in a place. Yeah. I built my studio. I had like a lifestyle that I yeah. got to incorporate from all my travels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was probably the hardest part. And then knowing that I wasn't going to be teaching because mm-hmm. in the end I did fall in love with yeah. kids and and what I was advocating. Um, so my work now still does get to have yeah. work in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like I said, when you take these risks, it's about changing the narrative and it's about really focusing on the positives. Cause you know, when something shitty happens to you, you need to instantly boom. Okay. What am I going to do for me? What am I going to do to, you know, make this a positive um, outlook and you know, how am I going to carry through and be resilient? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even though this was a dream job, you know, what is my impact going to be? What's it going to look like now? Yeah. Um, and so when I did this big move, um, it was still hard for me a bit because I still watch, I still do come home and teach. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've learned to now in this role, okay, now how am I going to connect myself? And that's what kind of the corporate environment's like. It's yeah. like, you know, what are you going to do to, you know, not climb? And I don't like, I don't care for titles. Mm-hmm. I've never been, I never really cared about that stuff. And I'm really happy that I'm working for uh, a former Olympian who I see as a mentor mm-hmm. uh, in many ways, his leadership, his presence, um, his guidance. And just the, I think with teaching, I didn't get was the freedom um, to, to really get to practice what I really do. And, um, and just have that loyalty piece. Like you're, in any work environment, like your colleagues, your coworkers, and you know how people manage you, mm-hmm. you're always going to do the work. But mm-hmm. as soon as you start micromanaging somebody, yeah. you know it gets really wearing, and oh, it makes yeah. you not want to be motivated. You don't want to be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But when they give you the flexibility to show that growth and give yeah. your opinions, um, that is that's leadership. And so I'm learning a lot from from him in that aspect because. For me, even though I advocate all these things, it's like, now how do you really, really, truly practice what you preach? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how can you actually guide others? Because if you don't, you know, thoroughly align yourself with those objectives, then it's like, you can't, you can't be a leader. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm in a place now where I'm great, connected well. I'm hoping to still find ways now that I'm working my way in the organization and I'm connecting myself to different departments. So much like, 
what your education has been, but like those connections that you made and those experiences you've made. Yeah, 100%. For like, even like you, Lauren, like you, where you are now is a lot because of connections too. Absolutely. Absolutely for my connections. Like my first job was like, the guy who hired me was like, I know of your weird obscure program that you did. And, <laughs> and like a past colleague and now and yeah. him and I have co-founded a business. It's all about your connections. It really is. Find a tribe. Yeah. Serendipity. I 100% agree with it. And mm-hmm. um, so what's mm-hmm. next for me? Crazy, crazy <laughs> shit. Crazy laughs. Crazy yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, I'm not done. I think my work in Malta has a dying wish for my menu. He you know, said to me, like, please stay connected to mm-hmm. Malta because yeah. a lot of my family won't. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, leaving my relationship, coming home from all of those adventures, tying a love story to mm-hmm. it, tying my research, like literally mm-hmm. everything I'd done was tied into one thing. Mm-hmm. And I made sure it was all connected mm-hmm. with everything that I did. Um, was, you know, my ability to connect my family, mm-hmm. you know, and, and understand out of all those experiences, I think out of anything we do in life, you know what is love and what is happiness because yeah. mm-hmm. that's what I actually truly got to learn out of all those countries. Yeah. You know, softball aside, performance and all those things that we think matter. Yeah. Um, I actually got to learn, you know, how people love, why people love, yeah. and what happiness is. Yeah. Um, and that's the true key takeaways I took from all of this. Um, and so, you know, I I experienced raw humility wherever I wherever I traveled. Yeah. So did I eat pretty low? Yeah, I fucking eat pretty low. Shit <laughs> out of my life. Like, yeah. and it's still fun going. I know I'm not. I'm not done. And I think now, like now, I'm excited for like, okay, what the fuck's next? Like, yeah. th- my life's already been crazy for ten years, and I think people like that's why people are like, you need to write this down because no one's lived the way you did. Um, yeah, tell us more about right. this writing. Yeah. So yeah. where can people find you? Where can people find you? Well, uh, you can follow me on Instagram. Escalia88 uh, is my handle. We'll put in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put in the notes. Um, and what's next? Um, I am happy that I'm done being an athlete, mm-hmm. but I want to still see what I can do. And so I'm actually here not only for work, in Vancouver, but I'm also here to pursue skeleton. Oh damn! Oh, and, um, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> I love it. It's amazing. Yeah, I know. I know. I'll I think be a rocker. It's like yeah. out of all these experiences too, and this is like a whole other episode. Like, what's your fucking crazy? Like, yeah. how can you go with it? And so, my big goal, next goal, would be um, using my role within the CFC to connect with other international communities that don't have access to sports so like Malta, very small nation and, and so I'm hoping to see with this opportunity um, you know, what it's like to come back from ground zero Yeah, you know, um, what, it, what, what do you do when you completely have to rebuild a lot of different things or different facets in your life um, and for me it was, you know, you know relationships, you know restarting a new city which I've done many times, I don't see that yes. as it is a big piece on risk and resiliency, but you know how relentless you can be in in whatever you put your mind to, and like mm-hmm. never. And I think that's the athlete mentality: like you just don't give up. I feel like there's so many opportunities that like showed up in your life, um, but you took a lot of risks in order to accept them. Like where a lot and of people gave them, too, wouldn't like have. at the same time. Yeah, like you made them all connect and happen, and then they came, they showed up, and then a lot of people may not have taken like yeah. all those crazy trips and like. Yeah. putting your life like 
not at home, just like traveling. How yeah. did you kind of like stay myself yeah. like on that path? I think like you have to have a vision. Yeah. You have to have a vision, you have to have a goal with like what you want to seek out of it. And it's so hard to explain it to people because when you are that passionate mm-hmm. about something, it's one scary to other people. Yeah. And two, you know, you know how there's a big loyalty piece mm-hmm. on, you know, what your vision is and what you're mm-hmm. doing. And some people just don't. And yeah. that's hard because you're going to have your critics along the way. Um, you know, my parents were definitely one of those were mm-hmm. part of that. Like they definitely, you know, supported me and they mm-hmm. let me grow. But, you know, they were also yeah. making it hard for me at home when I wasn't taking those opportunities yeah. that were home-based. Yeah. To like plant your To plant my roots. roots. And I always yeah. had the roots conversation. I yeah. just thought, you know what? Like how do people not understand these are roots. Mm-hmm. These these are roots that are going to grow in crazy different ways. Mm-hmm. Like roots, it's all relative. Yeah, yeah. and I think to each person, roots are different. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Not everyone needs to be like in one place in one for their place. whole life. And yeah. that's not... And it's hard. I feel like you could just tell stories for 17 yeah. hours. Or just like I so hope many. Was good. <laughs> I hope you uh, have to here. Oh, yeah. for sure. You're going to have to come back and tell us about Skeleton, though. I know. And you're like a post-Skeleton podcast. And your, <laughs> and your book. Yeah. yeah. I, that is a teaser, maybe. Yeah. yeah. It is a teaser. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, well, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Noah, ladies. Thank you. Yeah. You can do it if you enjoy the pod. Uh, share with your friends. And we'll see you next time. And, we, and follow us on Instagram now. Oh, yeah. Page. Follow us on Instagram. Noah Podcast. And slide in the DMs. <laughs> <laughs> Catch you next time.